1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. for Jankowski, who's got the Rangers ahead 7-0. And now Simeon crushes a ball. Back to left field. Gurry out of the wall. Goodbye. It is a route in game four. Hot fly, foul ground. That is caught by low. And that does it for game four. An explosion for the Rangers. A couple of five-run innings. And the Texas Rangers are one win away from their first world championship. Here's Dobbs after the fake to DeBricano. Dobbs oh. still going on first and goal from the 25. Takes it in for an Arizona touchdown. Yet another tremendous run by Joshua Dobbs. Fools everybody. 6.8 to go. You might want to call a timeout to advance it. Oh, Johnson takes it from him. Johnson hangs. Yes. And the Spurs have the lead. What did I just witness here? They go for the steal. They have never led until right now with 1.2 seconds. Allen will trigger it in. 1.2 to go. The catch, the shot. No good. And the Spurs win on the road for the first time this year. Wow. What a comeback. These fans are stunned. Listen to this crowd here because they felt that Kevin Durant was absolutely mauled in that coffin corner. Give it to him. Trainer up the middle. He's in. Touchdown, Ohio State. They walk it off at Notre Dame Stadium. Taylor in trouble, and Chase Young with his second sack. It seemed like that snap kind of floated up high and threw off Taylor's rhythm, and Chase Young now with five sacks on the year. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Wednesday, November 1st edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Diamondbacks will the 2023 World Series return to Texas. Meanwhile, the Cardinals, did they give up too quickly on Joshua Dobbs? The Suns, what have we learned after one week and four games? College football, who's the top team? this season uh the trade deadline in the nfl who are the winners and losers individually or team wise and what else caught your eye since our last show here's today's schedule lineup on the show which is the most informative sports talk monday through friday in moments we have the introduction of today's pipeline 9 15 around college football uh, including 
Uh, what do we learn from the college football playoff analysis? Uh, actually, what analysis of the college football playoff week one standings, which were released last night. We'll talk with David Kenyon from Bleacher Report. We'll also uh, have previews of some of the really good games, unlike last week. Uh, not a good uh, slate last Saturday, but this Saturday, there are some marquee games that we should be paying attention to, and we'll talk to him about those, at least a couple of those games. 9.30 interactive action at 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup, including Diamondbacks and Rangers Game 4 analysis, which isn't going to take very long. Uh, final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, topped by Game 5, Diamondbacks and Rangers World Series odds. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it's the extra point Hosted by Kayla, and that will include, among many things, more phone call time. Right now, onto the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, did the Diamondbacks win Game 5 and send the World Series back to Texas? And Kayla's here and has the early returns. Early returns, no leading the way, 100% of the vote. Whoa. <laughs> They've gone from optimistic to the sink be shipping. All right. Well, the Rangers offense, without its best postseason bat, scored 10 runs over the first three innings. On Tuesday night and cruised to an 11-7 victory in Game 4. Also, before that game, the Rangers announced that Adolis Garcia will miss the rest of the World Series. And also, Max Scherzer will miss the rest of the World Series after injuries that they suffered on to Monday night in the Game 3. And uh, But uh, they're, they're not going to be with those two guys. or They'll be without them the rest of the World Series, no matter how long it goes. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, did the Diamondbacks give up too quickly on Joshua Dobbs? Kayla, what's happening here? No leading the way at 82.4% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 17.6%. Over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Dobbs on Monday was demoted as the Cardinals starting quarterback. On Tuesday, Dobbs was traded to the Minnesota Vikings. Did Jonathan Gannon know on Monday that Dobbs was about to be traded? Uh, that might be a question we never get answered. Like most questions of the Cardinals coaching staff these days, uh, really pretty much all season, they really don't answer any of the questions, and I don't blame them. Meanwhile, uh, also on the local front, the Suns ended October with an embarrassing loss, blowing a 20-point lead and losing 115-114 at home to a Spurs team that had lost their previous game by 40 points uh, to the Lakers. Have you learned anything about the two and two Suns four games and one week into the current regular season? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, Ohio State is number one in the first 2023 college football playoff rankings released last night. As we mentioned yesterday, before the playoff rankings were released, week one, as we've learned over the years, means almost nothing. But it's a nice television pop, and ESPN gets some, I'm sure, some interesting ratings. Who's the best team in college football? Meanwhile, there was plenty of uh, movement in the, before the trade deadline yesterday. In fact, according to ESPN, it was the second busiest trade deadline day since uh, 1990, when I guess they kept uh, started, that's when I guess they started keeping track of that. 
But anyway, it was topped by the 49ers, adding edge rusher uh, Chase Young from the Commanders. So who were the NFL trade deadline winners and losers, both team-wise and individually? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by around college football. David Kenyon scheduled to join us from Bleacher Report. We'll go through... uh, a little bit about the college football rankings from last night and get into some of the games for the upcoming weekend. Might time pending slip in a little bit about the Pac-12 uh, to this point and a little U of A football. Is there certainly getting some national attention? They would have been getting more national attention if Jed Fish had enough balls to go for two in the, into the first overtime against USC, but that didn't happen and they lost that game. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time, uh, general discussion, 602-260-1060, and also uh, some local roundup. That will include at least a little bit on the Diamondbacks and Rangers game three, or excuse me, game four uh, from last night. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. I was listening to this song this morning just by coincidence. A little Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers here. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Your home to the Dan Patrick Show. Live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. All right, the College Football Playoff Committee uh, spoke for the first time this season on Tuesday night. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We are now joined the sports of my David Kenyon of Bleacher Report. David, always good to have you on. Let's start with number one, Ohio State, number one in the initial CFP rankings. Uh, would Ohio State have been your choice? Bob, good to be back. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's probably not the place I would have gone because I think the the trouble with, with the rankings and what makes it so fun is all the inconsistencies the committee has. I would go with Michigan. Uh, they haven't played anybody. We, we know that. But they have been so overwhelmingly good in all of those games that Michigan has been the single best team. And then you look around – the rest of the poll, and you have teams that are, you know, playing better than one team, and even though they might have not had as impressive a resume, they're ahead. But then in other places, it's not, including at the top. And so, I don't know. I, I think ultimately they couldn't really go wrong with Ohio State, Georgia, or Michigan. I personally would have had Michigan, but we'll have this all play out in this final exciting month coming up for sure. Okay, so let, let's get into Georgia. And, uh, well, actually, let's start at Ohio State. Now, what do you consider to be their strengths and weaknesses at this point of the season? 
The strength, uh, interestingly enough, based on last year and what we expected coming into this year, has been the defense. Ohio State has done such a good job defensively. That's what's given them a chance to win the entire season. They, they currently lead the, the nation in yards allowed per play, which is a, a far better metric than the yards per game. Um, and so Ohio State, we thought was going to have a juggernaut of an offense, and that has simply not been the case. Kyle McCord's been okay, and Marvin Harrison Jr. has been awesome, but the, the rest of the offense that we expected to just be incredible has really not been that way. So defense has been the absolute strength. The weakness is going to be if, if the defense gives up 27 points in a game, can the offense keep up with that? Yeah, Georgia number two. Uh, one of the strengths and weaknesses of the dogs at this point, the two-time defending national champions, even though I kind of go crazy when I hear other people say that, so I probably shouldn't say it because they're really not the defending champions because they lost a lot of guys the last two years to the NFL. But anyway, sorry, I couldn't help myself there. What are the strengths and weaknesses for you for Georgia this year? Uh, again, for for Georgia, similar to Ohio State, is the defense hasn't played up to the level of, that we saw the last years. But as you mentioned, there were a lot of NFL players on those defenses, so that's okay. But Carson Beck has has really not gotten a lot of shine this year, um, and Kirby Smart kind of went off a little bit about how Beck is disrespected. But I, I don't think that's true. I think he's just been so quietly consistent behind a really good offensive line that we haven't had a lot of splashy, flashy things to talk about with Georgia. So I think the strength is just the overall balance that Georgia has. There's really no seriously weak spot on that entire roster. I, I'm not sure that I have a specific weakness for Georgia. It's just basically going to be is the offense that doesn't have those big flashy plays, that hasn't run the ball dominantly they've been very efficient but they haven't been overwhelming if that takes a step back will the defense that again isn't quite as good as years past which was a very high bar is that going to be something that they can overcome and we're certainly going to see that over these next three weeks got number 14 missouri number 11 ole miss number 19 tennessee all coming up yeah that'll be fun for sure you mentioned Michigan. The schedule obviously has not been very difficult. So the schedule strengths in the hundreds right now. Never mind all the off-the-field BS. Uh, what might be some questions for Michigan on the field at the moment? And that's a, it's a really good question because I do not have a single one right now because they have been so overwhelmingly good. Uh, that's the word I always go back to with these top teams, and, and Michigan has been every bit of that. Early in the season, they, you know, they were running away from teams, but they weren't winning fifty to four, fifty to four, um, fifty to three. How about that? Let's make it a football score. Um, and so they they were good early on, but they had a little bit of issue of like really pouring on. Uh, the scoring, but that has not been the case in in the last month or so. They've scored 45-plus points in four straight games. So I am eager to see where we might think this Michigan team can falter, and certainly that big test is going to start happening next week at Penn State. Yeah, we got some new committee members this year. Did, did we learn anything from them, and anything surprise you last night? Um, to be the pessimist here, nothing surprises me because I expected ridiculousness because that's what we've, 
we've come to know this committee as constantly. I, I mean, if, if you'll indulge me for a second, basically when I looked back through this yesterday, I saw Ohio State's resume mattered more than Michigan's eye test, and Washington's head-to-head -head win mattered more than Oregon's eye test, and Texas' resume mattered more than a head-to-head -head win, but then Louisville's head-to-head -head win mattered more than Notre Dame's resume, and then Kansas's eye test mattered more than Oklahoma State's head-to-head win, and Oklahoma State's head-to-head -head win mattered more than Kansas State's resume. So I don't understand where everything is going, where anything is going. Nothing is surprising me, despite the fact that there are shocking things in here that really just aren't shocking anymore because we expect them, if that makes sense. Okay, I had to follow along closely there, but I think I did a pretty good job of that, so that, that was interesting. Uh, David Kenyon of Bleacher Report, currently in the sports zone. All right, away from the CFP stuff, you know, the David Kenyon you know, mindset thing here, you know, who are the most surprising teams to you this season in college football? It doesn't have to be somebody that's in the top 25, but who, who's, what teams have surprised you the most? Florida State definitely would be the highest-ranked team that has been a surprise just because a couple of years ago we were wondering if Mike Norvell was going to last at Florida State. He had a very similar start to Willie Taggart, and Taggart was fired pretty quickly. Uh, so they're definitely up there. Missouri and Louisville right in the middle of the top 25. Um, I, both, I expected both to make, the, make a bowl game pretty easily, but to be 7-1 and one entering the final month, Missouri has a, a shot, whether you think it's a great shot or not, okay, but they have a shot to take the SEC East if they beat Georgia this week. Again, don't think it'll happen, but it's there. Louisville's in the best spot to make the ACC championship game other than Florida State, and that's remarkable. Um, outside of the top 25, I think the biggest ones for me are Liberty in the first year uh, of Jamie Chadwell coming over from Coastal Carolina. Um, he, they've, they're 8-0 already in the Conference USA Championship game. That's, that's incredible. Um, Arizona's midseason rise here has been really fun to watch. Um, so definitely a shout-out for Arizona, especially in your neck of the woods in, that, in the state, too. Um, and then Rutgers, hey, starting 6-2. and two. They're probably going to finish 6-6 six and six because the, the schedule is brutal the rest of the way. But Greg Schiano entered the season on, on the hot seat-ish, and there's no way we're even talking about that at the end of the season now. And I, I don't think Air Force surprised me as much. They were kind of my number two in the Mountain West. But Air Force has played so much better than I anticipated as well that I'm really hoping for Air Force to go undefeated and make a New Year's Six Bowl. Okay, so let's flip this. Who have been the most disappointing teams so far for you this season? Ooh, yeah, um, I, I think from a, from a small perspective, um, I would, I'd probably lean toward – uh, I mean, Clemson for sure. I had really high expectations for Clemson. Um, I, I think on a smaller scale, probably like Texas Tech. Um, UCF was hurt by an injury to quarterback John Reese Plumley. I thought US, UCF would be more competitive in the first year in the Big 12, too. Um, Illinois, I thought, was a borderline bowl team, but Illinois has really just plummeted really quickly. So that, that hasn't been a whole lot of fun to watch. Um, other than that, I, I think... Clemson is, is definitely the, the big, huge one. Arkansas sitting at 2-6 and six and very, very likely to miss a bowl was, was a bummer, too. Um, but I, I think I'd probably say most of my disappointment is in the Big 12 where UCF and Texas Tech, I just thought those were going to be second-tier contenders, maybe 
hang around into November, get an upset, uh, and cause a little bit of chaos, and that's that's really just not happening at all. Let's talk a little more about Clemson here. You know, I think everybody's you know we are aware about the fact that they really haven't or Dabo hasn't really gone to the, tran- the transfer portal much or hardly at all, if at all. Uh, to me, you know, he lost some assistant coaches over the last few years, and it seems like that those guys haven't been adequately uh, adequately replaced. Uh, it seems like the uh, you know, some of the talent that they brought in are they getting coached up? I think they are. I think what you've seen is uh, Davos' stubbornness kind of coming back to bite him. I do think Garrett Riley, uh, offensive coordinator, coming over from TCU after last season, I think he'll be okay um, in the long run. I think that there's a different kind of personnel matching that he, he had at TCU that he didn't immediately have at Clemson. And I think if, if this is going to work again, and I'm very confident it will, um, that the approach that Swinney has taken in the transfer portal is going to have to change or they're going to have to overhaul through recruiting extremely quickly. And that's, that's pretty much a, a two or three year project. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to have to loosen up. I think they've got a good staff. You definitely see the, the drop off from Brent and Venables to, to a new def- defensive coordinator, but it's not like Clemson's defense has been bad either. I, I think it's just one of those things you have to, acknowledge that Brent Venables is one of the single best defensive coordinators in the game. So whoever you get after him is going to be a step back and throw in the fumbling issues. And I don't know if it's coaching. I, I, you know, it's, it's easy to try to point everything on, on something, but at some point these are very talented players and they just got to hold on to the ball. So there's, there's a whole lot of everything going on. I think Clemson will be okay. But like you said, I think they're going to have to, really look at the transfer portal as an asset and not something that they're shying away from. The Pac-12, strong as it's been in years, and the farewell season of the Pac-12, in essence. Uh, yeah, I know that Washington beat Oregon, but you might already answered this question uh, when you're talking about the you know the top five, four or five, I guess top six if you go to Oregon now. Uh, but am I wrong to think that Oregon is better than Washington? Oh, no. That's on, on the field in the last month, strictly from a, an overall performance perspective, Oregon has clearly been the better team. The challenge with that is they were clearly not the better team the one day it mattered. So I, I, I would always go with head-to-head over high test because either the games matter or they don't. That's the way I would always say but if we get mm-hmm. to a point where let's just let's say obviously you're going to have Michigan or Ohio State lose, you just need one of Florida State or Georgia to lose once, and then Oregon is going to be in this conversation. And the other thing, too, is if Oregon wins out, they're going to be in the Pac-12 championship anyway and can beat, Oregon, uh, beat Washington in a rematch potentially, and they would definitely jump Washington in that case being a conference champion with a split head-to-head regardless and looking like the better team. So Oregon has everything in control um, as far as, like, you can't control destiny. Uh, that, that'd be the hill I would die on. Um, but they, they control their path to, to the college football playoff for sure. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about Oregon being screwed or something in the end because ultimately they're either going to be 12-1 and one and going to the college football playoff, or they will not be 12-1 and one and not going to the college football playoff. So I think it's pretty simple. But, yeah, definitely Oregon is a better team than Washington right now. 
Okay, let me see if I I don't think I have any control your own destiny questions upcoming here. So I'm gonna have to make sure I, if I did, I'm gonna cross those off real 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 fast here. Talking with David Kenyon from Bleacher Report. Okay, let's get into some of the games this week. Uh, LSU at Alabama. Uh, the Tide in revenge mode after losing in the last play uh, to Jaden Daniels and uh, the, uh, the the Tigers last year in Baton Rouge. Uh, what are you looking for in this game on Saturday, the so-called you know the rematch, so to speak? I'm very excited to see Jaden Daniels against the best defensive front he will have seen so far this season. Um, Alabama has not has not excelled. Uh, to the level that I anticipated, it's it's a little bit quieter than quieter than I thought as far as disruption. But they have so much depth as far as who they'll send at you, and they bring a lot of pressure from the secondary as well. Um, and so it, it's just a really interesting matchup because Jaden Daniels has been the single best quarterback in the nation this year, easily the most productive. Um, but now, unlike last year, you know this game is in Tuscaloosa, so LSU won't have the home field advantage. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of going back and forth on this game and which way I think it's going to go. I think I generally default toward home field advantage in these close games. You, you see that constantly around college football. So I think I'd probably go with Alabama, but I'm very, very excited to watch Jaden Daniels get another shot at this Alabama defense. Well, you mentioned Missouri, and you talk, we talked about Georgia, but you know, they play Saturday. Uh, Missouri last year led this game by two scores. They led by double digits in the fourth quarter, but they lost the game in Columbia. You know, we, we I think we both agree that Georgia's going to win, but how how can Missouri hang in this game or maybe pull the upset? It's going to start with shutting down Georgia's running game because that, while it hasn't been the most productive compared to last season, it's certainly Georgia's identity. They want to bully you a little bit and then open up the passing game. Um, and Missouri so far this season has done a very solid job uh, stopping the run. LSU ran all over them, which kind of is the one outlier of, of the year. Kentucky did a decent job, but Missouri won that game by 17, so it wasn't really an issue. Um, so Missouri's going to have to stop the run first because then if you can get Georgia to pass, Missouri's secondary, while it has some holes, is also pretty opportunistic, and they might get a, t- a takeaway or two. And obviously, if you're going to go play the top-ranked team in their building, you're going to have to get some takeaways or some clutch stops or something to turn the game because you're probably just not going to go win a straight-up game where you're just punting or scoring back and forth. Kansas State's at Texas. Uh, you know, Kansas State, uh, you know, they this two quarterback system with Johnson and Howard is you know, certainly at least uh, on the scoreboard working. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but it has. Uh, Texas expected to be without Quinn Ewers one more time. How do you handicap that game on Saturday? Kansas State is the single most frustrating team <laughs> because every single yeah. year they figure out a new way to start winning. And just like you pointed out there, they're finding out a different way to start winning in the middle of the season, too. So everything you watched early and you're like, man, that that really kind of bothered me. I don't think that's sustainable or maybe I, I wish they'd start doing something here. And then it kind of flips in October because good coaches adjust. And that's what that's what staff that staff is consistently. But, man, they've been so good the last two weeks that I think I'm leaning toward Kansas State, even though it is on the road. But when you throw in a backup quarterback, that complicates the whole thing. I think 
Kansas State has just been so solid defensively lately and unlocked a different piece of their offense that they didn't have earlier this year. Um, but that, it's one of those games I feel like I could look pretty dumb on, on Saturday because Texas being at home and defense has certainly been a strength for them this year, um, short of that Oklahoma game. But Kansas State, as much as we're impressed by what the offense has done lately, is certainly not Oklahoma's offense. Can you give me some suggestions? How can I erase that Kansas State game on, the, I think it was a Friday night at Oklahoma State. How can I just erase that from my alleged brain? You know, I would love to do the same thing too. I remember I, I was just watching that game pretty much in, in awe, given what Oklahoma State had been to that point as well. Because, I mean, if we want to talk about another impressive turnaround, holy cow, Oklahoma State at 2-2, yeah. two two, yeah. getting smoked by South Alabama, losing to Iowa State, which that, that game, I believe, had a total going in of like 36. Like, there was not supposed to be any scoring in that game, and then there were 61 points. So I, <laughs> I'm with you. Watching that game was bizarre, but it was kind of the precursor to, oh, Oklahoma State um, is kind of figuring this out. And you've, you've definitely seen that over the last few weeks. But, yeah, Kansas State, it seems like they always have that one game every year. Last year, um, I believe it was Troy. Um, and it, or No, I think it was Tulane last year. Um, but it's just like, what, what is happening? And then they, they're just this solid 9-10 win team the rest of the way. It is confusing to me. So, well, I'm look for I'm looking forward to watch that game on Saturday. So maybe I can, maybe I, I like Kansas State before the season started, and they were so bad at the first you know September. I just kind of uh, you know etched them from my you know my, my prediction brain, uh, and so now I'm trying to figure out oh, do I really want to get back on these guys again or not? I'm not sure what to do. Exactly. That's I mean that is the the weekly struggle. Uh, in October, somebody gets a win, and it's like, is this just college football happening, or is this right. the start of something? That's very true. David, always appreciate talking to you. I'm sure we'll catch up to you sometime later in the month or early December for sure. Absolutely, Bob. Enjoy it. Thank you. You too. David Kenyon from Bleacher Report. Uh, next segment, it is phone call time if you want to get aboard. we got some time. 602-260-1060, general discussion. 602-260-1060, also today's local roundup. Yesterday in this local roundup segment, I had all kinds of, you know, I think pretty good analysis regarding the Diamondbacks and Rangers game three because there was a lot to analyze in that game. Not so much to analyze from last night game. Last night's uh, fiasco wasn't really a game. It was a mismatch and... It was the, the monster mash, as somebody said uh, you know, on Halloween uh, actually texted me during the game. This is the monster mash. Uh, Bobby Boris Pickett, for all you old-time rock and roll fans out there, uh, was the singer of that song. I don't have any idea who wrote it. Anyway, so we'll get it a little bit from the Diamondbacks from last night. Phone call time if you want to get in. 602-260-1060. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's local roundup. 
Welcome back to Sports Center with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you want to get in, we got some time and room. 602-260-1060. On to the Diamondbacks and um, their lack of pitching depth. Certainly, uh, I think it resulted in an embarrassing uh, result last night in the Game 4 loss of the World Series. Uh, they previously slumping Marcus Simeon, hit a two-run triple and a three-run homer. And Texas led 10-0 by the third inning last night. Corey Seager ended up uh, hitting two long home runs. The Rangers win 11-7 in a game that wasn't as close as the score indicated, somebody once said. Uh, so they're up three games to one in the World Series. They're now 10-0 on the road in the postseason. And they're within one win of winning a World Series championship in the for, for the first time in franchise history. And uh, really, you know, and I mean franchise history, even if you include the Washington Senators part. Uh, the Washington Senators started playing baseball in 1961. I think they moved to Texas in 1972 or so, but no championships. They were within one out. Uh, and a few a few years ago against the Cardinals, but then for some reason Nelson Cruz was still playing right field, and they uh, the Cardinals hit a ball to right field, they ended up winning the game, and then they won Game Seven. Uh, in this segment on Tuesday, I I provided some analysis of the Rangers Game Three victory on Monday night. No such analysis was required right now. Um, I will say, though, that uh, you know, 42 of the 49 previous teams to take a 3-1 series lead have gone on to win the World Series, but as recently as 2016, that can be debunked, uh, if that is actually a word. I know people sometimes say it, so I'm going to use it here. Uh, but uh, that's when the, the, uh, the uh, Cubs overcame a 3-1 deficit and won the World Series to beat the Cleveland Indians at that time. Personnel news, I'm not sure how you could have missed this, but I'll include it one more time. Uh, the uh, Rangers before the game announced that Adolis Garcia uh, with his nine, with, excuse me, eight home runs and 23 runs batted in this postseason. Uh, and Max Scherzer will not play anymore in the World Series. They've been removed from the roster for the rest of the World Series, obviously uh, because of injuries that they suffered in the Monday night game, uh, you know, Garcia, the oblique, oblique injury, uh, which uh, in the regular season, there's guys that miss like at least a couple of game, a couple of weeks, I should say, and up to maybe a month or maybe even a little longer than that, depending on the seriousness of the oblique injury. And Scherzer, of course, had the back spasms and had to leave the game also on Monday night. They were replaced on the roster by infielder outfielder Ezekiel Duran, who actually has had some good moments this year when he got to play, got to play for the Rangers, and left-handed pitcher uh, Brock Burke, who I think it was just kind of a, they needed another lefty in the in the bullpen and uh, the staff, so he was I think their obvious choice. Meanwhile, uh, the season in baseball and obviously for the Diamondbacks could end as early as tonight. Uh, Nathan Navaldi tries to clinch the uh, the uh, World Series tonight against Zach Gallen. This is a rematch of Game One of this series. Navaldi, even though the Diamondbacks, you know, he left with a deficit. The Diamondbacks came back to win Game One last Friday night with the big rally in the ninth inning and the home run Garcia in the eleventh inning. Navaldi this postseason four and zero with a three fifty three earned run average. That three fifty three inflated after the Diamondbacks quote, got to him 
on uh, the game on Friday night. Those are in, that's in five postseason starts. Uh, he left with a 5-3 deficit in that series opener after he gave up five runs and six hits over four and two-thirds innings. Gallon uh, gave up three runs and four hits over five innings in that opener. And uh, he has a 2-2 two and two record with a 5.27 earned run average and five postseason starts. He has allowed six home runs in the postseason in 27 and one-third innings. Also in today's local roundup, the Suns uh, will not go unbeaten at home this season. Uh, they lost to a team last night that had previously lost its last uh, game by 40 points. As they lost, uh, the Suns were shorthanded, but we probably shouldn't be losing to the Spurs at this point. Uh, you know, it was uh, you know, the, the Frank Vogel also could have called a timeout and got the ball at half court, but he didn't do that. And Kevin Durant had the ball stripped, and even though he seemed like he got fouled on that play uh, and lost it, and then Johnson scored the game-winning basket, basket, it seemed to be completely an unavoidable loss by the Suns. But Frank Vogel, my favorite coach uh, in his days in Indiana, it's a head coach there, uh, deserves a whole lot of blame for this loss last night for the Suns. Also, the Suns deserve a, lot of loss, deserve a lot of blame. They had a 20-point lead in this game, and they lost to a team that is not good. Uh, some good young players, uh, but you know, they're good young players. The majority of them can't even drink in the United States legally. Uh, but losing that game last night, regular season, preseason, postseason, any season, is pretty inexplicable. They got outscored 33-19 to in the fourth quarter of that game. And once again, the Suns' defense pretty much non-existent, which we kind of wondered if that was going to be a problem throughout the regular season. Uh, and uh, once we get to the playoffs, uh, they better figure out how to stop somebody. I don't care if Booker and Beal are playing. Those two guys are not defensive stoppers. Uh, so we'll see if uh, they need uh, they need. To make roster moves, I think that's pretty obvious, but I've been saying that for a while, even though a lot of the national media seems to think they're headed to the NBA Finals. We have a little difference of opinion on that. Uh, meanwhile, last night, Durant ended up scoring 26 points. Eric Gordon had four, uh, 20 points. excuse me. Uh, Grayson Allen had 19 points uh, in that particular game last night. Personnel news, the Suns course, unfortunately, without Booker and uh, Bradley Beal again. Uh, Booker has played just the first game of the season when he pretty much single-handedly in the fourth quarter yeah, beat the Warriors in that game. He has not played since that game. And uh, Beal has missed all four games so far this season with a back injury. Uh, if I didn't say it, Booker has had an ankle injury. And then one of the quirky schedule things in the NBA, again, the Spurs and the Suns meet Thursday night. That'd be like tomorrow. Uh, in Phoenix, so it's a revenge game for the Suns. Will they lose two straight to a lowly San Antonio Spurs? I uh, can hear the buildup right now. I guess I just started the buildup. Meanwhile, they're uh, looking ahead to the weekend a little bit. Uh, the 1-7 and seven Cardinals uh, remain eight-point underdogs uh, on Sunday against the 4-3 uh, and three Cleveland Browns, in case you missed it. Uh, Jonathan Gannon in his Monday press conference announced that Clayton Toon would be the starting quarterback. I don't know if he knew at that point that uh, that uh, Joshua Dobbs was going to be traded, but he was traded yesterday to the Minnesota Vikings. Meanwhile, the 2-6 uh, and six Sun Devils are still 11-point road underdogs 
on uh, on uh, Saturday at uh, six and two Utah. Utah is. Run out of players, as we mentioned last Friday before they played against Oregon, and we mentioned it again on Monday during the sport, the uh, extra point, uh, that they're, uh, they're, you can make a case that Utah has lost its f- least four of its top five uh, best players, maybe all, you know, maybe top four, uh, to season-ending injuries at this point. They're pretty much, uh, their studs are unfortunately injured. And at least we know about it now. We kind of speculated it before, but it's uh, become so obvious now, and uh, the injuries are so bad that Kyle, Whitting- Kyle Whittingham, who never tells anybody anything about injuries usually, has been uh, honest and told us that these guys are out for the season. So we have to believe him at this point, and I assume that is accurate. Uh, meanwhile, the 4-3 and three Wildcats are uh, – yeah, remain, I should say, two-and-a-half-point home underdogs this week against 6-2 and two UCLA. UCLA, a little better team offensively or more efficient, I probably should say, more efficiently and offensively with uh, Garbers in there as the starting quarterback now. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little more later in the week. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's radio program, the one-hour sports zone. We'll have the national roundup. Uh, that'll include a little bit, uh, you know, we'll start that with the, uh, some, the uh, excuse me, the uh, Diamondbacks' latest line for tonight in what hopefully is not the final game of the World Series in the Diamondbacks' season. Uh, also, we'll get to whatever else uh, I can get to in a short period of time in the final segment of the Sports Zone. Don't forget the extra point coming up in the next two hours, hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. You are listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle X HD2 100.7. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. And we start with a World Series game number five tonight at Chase Field. Evaldi against Gallon, as I mentioned in the last segment. And this game is basically a pick 'em, kind of what we've seen all three games of this series at uh, in Arizona. Uh, so, when it's, uh, you know, I, I, right now I'm looking at the odds from you know, one, two, three, four, seven casinos in Las Vegas. And I've seen favorite, you know, each team favored roughly. Nobody's favored by more than minus 115 at any casino right now. I've seen, you know, 115. Uh, at uh, the uh, wind station, the wind casinos, and then I see a 115 at Circa. Uh, so it just depends on where you're doing your shopping these days. Uh, if you're in, if you're in Nevada or know somebody in Nevada that could maybe make a bet for you, but that would be illegal because that's interstate commerce laws. All right, rip from the headlines and from the wire. Some quick things here: the Raiders have uh, fired Josh McDaniels as the head coach. And general manager Ziegler, I didn't write down his first name here. Uh, he still has a first name. I just don't. Dave Ziegler. Okay. 
Uh, they haven't, I don't think they fired him from his first name, but he is no longer employed by them. And Aiden O'Connell apparently will be the starting quarterback for the Raiders moving forward. Uh, Steelers quarterback Cody Pickett with the rib injury, he de- he declared, he did, and Mike Tomlin wasn't quite so uh, definitive, uh, but uh, Pickett declared on Tuesday that he will start on Thursday night against the Titans. Another exciting Thursday night contest with the Steelers and the Titans. Uh, but then again, there is not very many good teams in the NFL and a lot of mediocre or bad teams in the NFL, so it's kind of hard to come up with good primetime matchups at this point. Meanwhile, around Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge, uh, I should have mentioned this yesterday, but for some reason I did not. Uh, he is the 2023 Roberto Clemente Award winner uh, for uh, his uh, you know, basically character and off-the-field contributions uh, to the world in general. Uh, the Padres candidates to become the next manager include Phil Nevin and also Benji Gill. Apparently, the Padres did not watch uh, Nevin manage the Angels the last two years. It's only like you know 90 miles north or so of uh, you know where he was doing a horrendous job of managing the Angels. Now I understand he did not get uh, dealt a very good uh, you know, deck of cards there. But his in-game decision-making for two years has been just highly questionable. Yet, he's interviewing. He's a former Padre and all that. So, I guess uh, maybe there's just kind of an obligation they have to interview him. Uh, cannot be based on merit for what we've seen from Phil Devin, the manager, in his you know, couple of years in the major leagues. All right. Next two hours, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, including... More on the Diamondbacks uh, from uh, the last uh, day or two. Probably more of that from Kayla than me because I um, pretty much said what I'm going to say about the Diamondbacks. They were could have won, uh, maybe not really even could have won on Monday night. They had no chance last night, so stay tuned for that. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.